1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I mean, we had to start the episode off with the best song on the album. And the sky was made of amethyst.
1: And all the stars were just like little fish.
0: Violet by Hole off their 1994 album, Live Through This. It's also number 460 out of 500 on the Spotify original, The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. I gotta be honest with you. I love fucking saying that. Spotify original. I'm one of the OG Spotify people. I've been paying for Spotify since fucking 2012. Actually, no, no. 2011 I started paying for Spotify It was when I was DJing at the strip club Is anybody surprised that I used to DJ at a strip club? I sound like I was born to bring up girls named Cilantro To the stage but Spotify Changed the game For me as a strip club DJ because there was a time where a girl would Come up and go yo you got that That new Dookie Boy song Uh, Shake your booty hole And I'd be like why would I have that And then Spotify came out and I had all of Dookie Boys' entire catalog right there at my fingertips. So I couldn't be happier to be with Spotify. And I hope you guys paid for your Spotify so you can listen to this week's record. Let's talk about last week real quick. We had Kyle Canane on where he tore apart PIL. Um, that's great because he was the first person uh, that we've had on the 500 that really didn't like it. Dude, it took me eight listens for me to finally appreciate how that noise and screaming in that one song all made it great. But that's why this is the perfect podcast for music people because none of us are educated in the ways of the music. We are just guys that are and girls that are listening. So big ups. And if you didn't agree with what he said, go ahead and email us at 500 podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up on social media. Let me know you know, if, if Kyle's an idiot and if I'm right Or if, if he's right and I'm wrong Either way, you know what? Let me know how you're listening to the 500 Take a screenshot of you listening to the 500 On your phone And tag me At Josh Adam Myers Give me a hashtag The 500 Podcast You know the deal We've been doing this for a long time Give me that 24 hour ad on your Instagram stories While we try to get the word out Alright, a little bit about this record Because this one was a doozy Released on April 12, 1994, Live Through This is the second album by American alternative rock band Hole and their major label debut on Geffen Records. It was produced by Paul Q. Caldery and Sean Slade, who had co-produced Radiohead's debut album, Pablo Honey, the previous year. That's such a good record, Pablo Honey. Such a good record Took me years to like it I only like Creep for a long time Now I love the whole record Can't wait till we do that one Have no idea if it's on the list Comprised of founding members Singer rhythm guitarist Courtney Love And lead guitarist Eric Erlinson And new rhythm section bassist Kristen Pfaff And drummer Patty Shamel Hole's intention for this record Was to smooth out some of their independent Noise rock edges And make a classic rock album but just days before the album was released, Kurt Cobain of the band Nirvana, who was Courtney Love's husband and father of their 19 month old daughter, Frances Bean, committed suicide. Or did he? Yeah, he did. Probably. I mean, who knows? And with themes and mentions such as depression, suicide, motherhood, and child abuse, there would never be any way to listen to this record without reading into every song for clues or viewing Courtney as some kind of rock and roll wild child widow that refused to be a victim unless it was on her own terms. And even though that tragedy may have informed and contributed to the album's notoriety and success, Live Through This remains a pretty undeniable rock record. I think so. And I've got an undeniable guest this week. My good friend, Jesse May Peluso. When I saw this record on the list, the only person I thought of was Jessie May. You know her from MTV's Girl Code. You know her from her two podcasts, Sharp Tongue and the other one, Hilarious. Jessie May is a rock star, and that's why she was the perfect guest for this album. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on Spotify and anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the 500 podcastcom Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go. with number 460 out of 500 with Live Through This by Ho. I am the Jesse Maple Luso, Peluso. That's it, that's all I got. <laughs> I was gonna join. Oh. I, I am saying. the Jesse Maple Luso, Peluso. Peluso. <laughs> You know what's funny is like I was gonna uh, uh, this 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 it's so funny because I was I wanted when I thought of this record I thought of you but I didn't know if this was your type of music because I think I'm a
1: little offended but also dude <laughs> you're, I, I know what when I
0: get I'm into your, if I get into your car right now and you turn the stereo on it's like shoot shoot ba-do, shoot, ba-do, shoot ba-do, ba-do. Here, here I go, go here I go, go, go here I go, go, go,
1: go my weakness weakness. Okay.
0: See you knew <laughs> want to join it.
1: I'm just fucking around
0: so but but did you listen to whole like when you were in high school and stuff I did
1: you know I I had a very eclectic taste but I I remember her voice standing out amongst all those other female voices that uh, like cross genre you know what I mean like not just in her lane like I just remember her standing out and being and, and feeling like her music making me feel a certain type of way Really? I definitely just, yeah. So
0: you connected with it? Or? I did
1: definitely. You know, I wasn't like super emo. I, I wasn't suicidal. Uh, like she's kind of like suicidal rock. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it definitely spoke to a generation of kids who were like didn't have a voice, or maybe they had like a really fucked up upbringing, and uh, definitely a parent was not in the house. Yeah. You know, like I feel like her 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 voice is very specific to a certain fan, and I'm not saying that that's the only fan that listened to her music, but I I, I related to it. And it's it's like relentless. It was so relentless. Her music is like re-listening to this album. It, it, she's just she's very unapologetic. Yeah. With, with her her conviction and style, and I related to that I, because that's what that's who I was as a kid, and I didn't understand that. You know, I didn't know. Like, that was a bad thing. I tried to almost, like, excuse it. Like, oh, I need to be more compliant. I need to be more respectful. And not that, like...
0: Which is so funny because, like, I wouldn't... you, You don't conform. That's I what I love about you so much is that one, it's your just love for life, and two, it's that it's that you you you'll do the cleanest of clean sets and the dirtiest of dirty sets, <laughs> and you could give a fuck, and you look like you're having just as much fun doing the dirty and the clean. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. But when I asked you to do this, you said that you were a Courtney Love fan. So what is it about her that you connect with?
1: I like that pr- that pretty ugly thing. I like that she teeters on both of those lines and I like that she's got this like there's something really cool about that like heart like that rock and roll aggression like using music as a conduit to your, the worst parts about being a female yeah. you know the the neediness and, and, and the vulnerability and the body issues and all of that like I, I, I relate to that and, and I'm a fan of her being able to be such a kind of like a a, gr- a gross. Sh- uh, what do they call those girls that are in pageants? She's like a pa- like a like a nasty pageant girl. Like sh- she looks like a girl who went through the pageant and then like somebody kicked her out of a truck. <laughs> and then she went and, and shot arrows for the like four years. years yeah, and, like, and didn't shower or anything. Showed up at the next pageant and they're like, uh, No. Can we get makeup?
0: <laughs> Can we get makeup, please? Because she's she's coming in here hot. She's a beautiful disaster right now. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, just in the generation, like. She represents a part of females in any industry that is underrepresented in the sense of how unpolished she is. And I think, like, just as a woman, you, there's so, so much of a demand and, and a pressure that you put on yourself but also exists societally where you feel like you have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, and be, you know, presentable. Be presentable. And her whole thing is not that at all. Yeah, she can give a fuck. She can give a fuck, and I'm not speaking to the history or whatever happened or whatever her beef is with Dave Grohl. Any any personal shit. I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to her imagery specifically, and like how she represented herself in the musical industry, in the music industry, and just sort of like what she represented speaks to a part of being, like like the part of being a woman that we don't often get to express. And I yeah. think I do that in my comedy, where it's just <clears> like you were saying—like I'm not afraid to to look ugly, I'm not afraid to be goofy, I'm not afraid. Like those are things that are funny to me and intriguing, and that's that's how I related to her music.
0: No, I, I I couldn't agree more. It's funny because I I passed over this album a long time ago. I was just like, I'm not listening to a female grunge. Right, no, I'm not I'm not getting into that, but. Going back to listen to this album now, I realize how important this record was for not just the time, but for women and for grunge. I mean, this this album really affected me. What what was your experience now listening to it?
1: That honestly, it's still it's still somewhat musically and content wise relevant which was the one thing where I was like, when we were talking about this album, I was like, Oh, I wonder if I'm going to have a hard time reconnecting to it because of the time frame and where we're at. Yeah. But it still kind of works. It really does. And like, I'm a huge horror movie fan. Every single track on this record could play nicely on a movie, sc- horror movie score. Yeah. You know, it, either it's like the rushing, the like the end where you're going after the creature or it's a fight sequence or it's like a, a like a, You know, end sequence like these songs fit well in that genre. And I honestly think maybe if maybe she doesn't, she didn't want it. But had she had a better team, maybe you know, a different uh, creative director, musical creative director, different producer, she could have really had a longer legacy, for sure. Vocally, oh,
0: she could sing. uh, You feel it. You feel. Oh my god. You feel when she screams in this record in in the song where which we'll get to later where she says she says fuck you and it's like fuck yeah. I? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you can hear that she, whoever she, she sees, whoever she's saying, fuck you to in like in her brain. And it's like, like she's doing like the Meisner technique <laughs> for acting yeah. and, and fucking and for singing. What I, what I love about this, this record is I, I don't just think this is a definitive grunge album fronted by a woman. I think this is a definitive grunge album of the era. Yeah. When, when, when I listened to this, I was like, this is raw as fuck. Yep. Uh, Violet yep. is so strong, and it immediately took me back to high school. It did it, too. It was smoking section yes. flannels, LSD, and swag weed, and
1: insecurities, and insecurities, and just not standing sex.
0: And I, and you know what? Before I put this record on, I was like, I listened to it one time, and I go, I go, you know what? I think Kurt Cobain ghost wrote this. And then after all the reading that I've done. I was like, no. I was like, this is her. This yeah, is her it opus. Like her. You can really hear the struggle of a, of a, of a person that's a, that's scared of being a mother. You can hear the the struggles of somebody that has you know been you know abused throughout yeah. her life, who was a stripper at one time, and this, that, and the other thing. It's like it's everything. She put all of her heart into this record. And a hundred percent, like I I just think that this is fan fucking It It is. All right, let's let's dive into the record. Okay, okay? our album is number four sixty one out of five hundred. It's the album "Live Through This" by Hole, released April twelfth, nineteen ninety four. Produced by Paul Q. Coldery and Sean Slade. So the album opens with "Violet," and I just think this song is everything. Uh, Peter, uh, play twenty four seconds in for me. That's my favorite part. That scream is fucking so powerful. It's jarring. I can only imagine what it was like to be a young woman when this came out.
1: Yeah, especially uh, just in placement of all the other music that was out at that time. I mean, New Kids on the Block. I think it's
0: at the tail end of that. But this is the beginning. Nirvana's already been out for a little bit. Hair metal has finally come to an end. But I'm talking about
1: from females. There weren't you know you had Mariah every Carey. other genre was every other genre was represented by some other female and in a, and you had options she came out of the woodwork you know there wasn't i don't from my memory i'm sure there were i don't remember any other female voice like hers no i
0: don't either Courtney Love has stated several times that the song was written about her relationship with Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan in 1990. Now, here's a little fun fact about this. In 1995, she introduced the song on Later with Jules Holland saying, This is a song about a jerk. I hexed him, and now he's losing his hair. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that you know that has that has to be about Billy Corgan because that motherfucker went bald ah, quick. I got
1: some motherfuckers I want to hex. Is it that easy? I wish I would have known that 10 15 years ago. Do you
0: have any any great post breakup revenge stories?
1: I think I'm living it. <laughs> I think it I don't think it's it much better than where I'm at in my life than just now succeeding, yeah, succeeding and not giving a fuck about anything that happened in the past. I think the greatest revenge is not having any revenge, really, in my opinion, if you know, revenge shows like there's still some emotional connection to whatever that was and and I think not real like genuinely not caring is the greatest revenge that you could have, and you know, and I honestly I don't want any ill will in anybody in my past, everything you experience. Brings you to where you are, and you're only meant to be where you are. You're not gonna be. I'm not anywhere fucking else.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Revenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians. Everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. (laughs) Well, the story about this goes that based on this premise, uh, according to Courtney, Corgan had a girlfriend at the time they met. However, Love claims that she was never informed of this, not until after indulging in a relationship with him. When his girlfriend found out about them, they were forced to break up.
1: Someone tells me that Courtney Love is not a girl who wonders about things. No, I am <laughs> pretty sure she knew one way or another if there was a girlfriend. And women know. Women always know. Have
0: you had somebody ever do that to you? Have you ever been, che- like, the side on? chick? Well, cheated on Oh, or- yeah, I've
1: been the side chick. I've been cheated on. I've been the mistress. I've been the secret. I've been on other, <laughs> every flip, every side seat. of the coin. <laughs> yeah. I've been with rich dudes, broke dudes, married dudes, like all – Every type of dude you could imagine. What is it? Why
0: do women want to date assholes? Why is that?
1: Because they're searching for love outside of themselves. You know, I think we're all, we're we're all uh, born with a certain set of tools, not like Liam Neeson tools to murder somebody, (laughs) but like (laughs) just emotional tools. And you are, you just acquire tools from your parents and you're missing some. And essentially, you know, you go your whole life and you, you try and fix other things with those tools before fixing yourself. I think we date assholes and bitches because we think that's love. You know, our connection to love is just this, this demented traumatic thing. And, and once you realize, like, that your core is more important than treating, like, like taking care of other people, once you start feeling yourself instead of like trying to compensate on the external, you, you you figure it out. You have to love yourself first, before you can love somebody else.
0: Where are you at right now?
1: Like, wait, uh, right You're, here. In,
0: in, in your love, like, for I'm, yourself. I feel good.
1: Like, uh, I'm not afraid of loss anymore. You know, I experienced the greatest loss loss of my life, yeah. and and it gave me this amazing, um ability to really realize that love is about loss it's it's about loss it's about being able to let it go so I'm not afraid of losing and before you know I think you're always just you're like oh I don't want to lose the gig I don't want to lose my girlfriend I don't want to lose and you know we're all afraid of loss yeah. so my relationship with loss just became much more healthy
0: yeah I think I think the is that that's, too deep? that's no 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 I think that's a good place to be now the second song on the record is miss world go ahead and play the intro for me Peter I am the Girl, you know, can't look you in the eye. You just make me so happy just watching you, watching you listen to that. This is such a catchy, upbeat song with lyrics about drug abuse and distorted body image. Just, it's so like happy if you get deeper into the song. It's just like, my dog just peed inside the house and I don't have clean it up spray. <laughs> clean it up spray? I've got a planner's <laughs> wart and
1: I can't stand on my left foot.
0: <laughs> this
1: podcast brought to you by Clean It Up Spray. I
0: don't, what Cleaning do you call it? Dog Listen, shit. Sometimes when I riff, I don't get. I'm not smart, okay? So whatever comes out comes out. Let's go into plump because I love this. Yeah, song. Plump is good. Uh, this is another milk reference on this one, and there's lots of puking. Peter, so play the chorus.
1: Milk references.
0: So here's another one about body image and motherhood, and probably about Kurt, heroin, and losing Frances Bean. So this song is as raw as it gets while talking about the ugly feelings and aspects of motherhood. It's interesting to note that before being in the public eye, Courtney also spent quite a bit of her pre-fame time as a stripper, like we mentioned. So she literally put herself on display to be paid and probably had to deal with issues of judgment and whatever else that would bring up.
1: I wonder what her song was. It must have been something like you know in my opinion cherry pie
0: I was gonna say that's what I was gonna say cherry pie pour some sugar Sugar. on me but then also it could have been the misfits so after perusing your Instagram though uh, it became vividly clear that you seem to be very comfortable with your body image in fact your gram is mostly made up of images of your body like lots of butt cheeks in various places mountaintops the DMV Wiener schnitzel that'd be a good one yeah you gotta do that one how how did you become so comfortable with your body, or are you just projecting?
1: Uh, I I realized there was a huge opportunity. You know, I call it a thought opportunity. Uh, I basically learned from the thoughts on Instagram. You know, you, you get all these likes just from, from showing your body, hundred percent. And why not use that to funnel those likes into a purpose? You know, um, you're gonna post a booty pic and get thirteen thousand views, and the, and you're not gonna drive them anywhere. That's you're leaving money on the table. So I decided to just accompany the booty pick with information about Alzheimer's donations and charities that they can, you know, just toss a couple bucks to. Yeah. Whether they do it or not is, is up to them. So you're
0: shaking your ass over on a mountaintop and underneath it's like, <laughs> let's raise money for the for the La Sienta dog rescue unit.
1: It's purely Alzheimer's. It's called Ask for Alts. Yeah. All the uh, photos have the hashtag Ask for Alts.
0: Oh, I know your hashtags. <laughs> I, I've never met anybody that writes the weirdest hashtags. None Maybe of you. them
1: exist. Most of my hashtags, it's all you—it's It's just me. <laughs> it's just
0: a picture of you.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I—I I don't mind using my body to bring awareness. Yeah. I, why not? You know, otherwise it's just an empty—it's just an empty post.
0: Was there a time that you felt judged, though? I mean, especially in in our career where you're, you know, you're, you you're, you're beautiful inside and out. So it's like, I mean, you are being sexualized regardless if you want to, you know, admit it or not. Yeah. But was there a time so far in your life, not just in your career, that you did feel judged?
1: You know, not really. I think... uh, If anything, it was more of my own judgment, internal judgment, like trying to compare myself and overthinking what I should wear and, you know, considering if it's going to be a distraction or not, but I've never really felt it or allowed myself to feel it from an external person or presence, but it's definitely there, you know, And any time, like, especially as of late, if anyone has said anything to me about. What I look like or, you know, I, there was a, co- a couple comments previously where somebody said something to me and I was like, w- watch your fucking self. You know, we're this is like twenty nineteen. We're, we're, we're not you mind if
0: I ask what they said.
1: Well, it's just, you know, like making comments about how I look. Like, you know, a professional person being just like, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, like one of those types I of mean, things. I mean,
0: that's that's any time a girl. We could go on Instagram right now and find any Instagram model and that's posted a butt shot. And there are, I'd say out of the 100 comments, at least 25% that are like, oh, you need that deep dick. Right. And you're like, good God. But when
1: it's somebody who's like Enrique
0: 4732. Why, <laughs> yeah. why would you
1: say Dusty that, Dusty Devil 62. I, I, I know you're... <laughs> I just mean, think like... There's there's judgment that exists everywhere, <laughs> yeah. and I think as a woman, the smartest thing you can do is harness it and use it for your for your own good. Yeah, you know, yeah, I got a booty, and it, it's pretty cute. It's a cutie little you booty. A cute butt. I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna use it for the way I want to use it, and hopefully, it'll help someone somewhere get twenty bucks who's dealing with a terrible disease. Sure. Anyone's opinions they don't validate or or discredit how I feel about myself. It doesn't matter. I think the stronger your core is, the less those things affect you. And and, and and for Courtney, it definitely was an anthem, but I almost wonder if she was almost trying to convince herself of feeling this way because I honestly think that she is a broken, broken girl. Yeah, 100%. Deeply, deeply broken. Deeply broken. And the one thing about this song that r- this song specifically highlights her, her, her vo- vocal range because the chorus, it almost feels like two different Choruses. Sure. It's so low. And then she hits those high notes within like 10 seconds. And honestly, until I re-listened to this just the past week, I had not thought of her as a great singer. I really... I, yeah. I never did. And like this song, out of any song I've ever heard... It makes me want to mosh, and I—the really? thought of moshing terrifies me.
0: <laughs> it is scary. <laughs>
1: but this song, like if it were a group, of w- I would totally mosh to this song. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, honestly, besides Violet, I think it's one of the greatest songs on the record.
0: Speaking of mosh pits. Uh- Asking for it, the next song, one of my favorites on the record. Now, this was inspired by an incident that happened at a whole gig in August 16th, 1991 at the Queen Margaret Union in Glasgow, Scotland. Courtney stage dove and then members of the crowd ripped her clothes off and sexually molested her. As she explained, people were getting their fingers inside of me and grabbing my breasts really hard, screaming things in my ear like pussy, whore, cunt.
1: I mean, how do I book that tour (laughs) manager? Uh, I guess the answer to never being lonely on the road is to do a whole show. Yeah, can I speak
0: to Todd at Brillstein? (laughs) Yeah, can you book me at the Queen Margaret Union? Is
1: Molly uh, from Live Nation available?
0: (laughs) So, according to Courtney, when she saw a photo taken of her during the incident where she was smiling despite the abuse she was enduring, she wondered if perhaps this was what the trade-off was for the fame and celebrity she craved. What's your, what's your, what's the worst part of celebrity and fame for you?
1: Um, I think the accessibility factor, you know, uh, like feeling, finding some separation in it. I I don't think I'm not an A-lister, but people recognize me usually when I go out and, um, you know, that, that's weird. It's cool. It's, it's a, it's definitely an interesting part of what we do, but it's also, it, it can make you go, well, do I need to look a certain way? It almost makes you understand all this whole record where that you know, she's talking about the need to portray an image. You know, I can understand that. But it's definitely, um I don't know, it's, I i, I think most of it is positive, but definitely that aspect where it's like, I want to kind of look like Mickey Rourke in the airport and not worry about it. You know what I mean? I just want to look like a busted person and not worry that someone's going to look at me. I've seen you travel, me.
0: bitch. I've <laughs> seen you travel, girl. You, that's <laughs> Comfy clothes to the extreme. I do. You are- I
1: am like sweatpants. I used to wear outfits to the airport, and now it's sweatpants. Yeah, dude. I don't wear <laughs> thick jeans. I, I wear sweatpants. I don't. Have, I don't have the sneakers. plane either. I don't, don't, I, I don't know. I, I have I, never have, seen wear... you in anything other than an outfit that looks like you are, like, Led Zeppelin's tour manager.
0: <laughs> cool fact about this song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool fact. You need, like, a little, like, music there.
0: Peter, get on that shit. <laughs> this is one of several songs that Kurt actually sang on. Uh, he also seemed to inspire the line that contains the album's title, If you live through this with me, I swear that I will die with you. Mm. All right, Jennifer's Body. Uh, Peter, play 35 seconds in for me because it's my favorite part. Better you! Better me. Those are tough it's lyrics It's a range that, It's not just the range But listen to what she's saying To better you To better me My bitter half Has bitten me It's better than you It's better than me Sleeping with my enemy Myself
1: That's why yoga and kale Is important in And a good night's sleep It's a great song It's a great No it's, it's 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 an amazing song And this song Really shows her range Yeah I mean Holy fuck The notes she hits it, It's you, you can I can feel it in my ovaries I can So, f- so do I <laughs> <laughs> and also on this song specifically, you can, the band shreds. Yeah. The the the, the musicians are amazing. Like yeah. the people around her are amazing. I, I mean, they're agree. all females except for Eric, the guitarist.
0: Look at you. I know what's up. Someone was on Wikipedia this week. I was. Morning. I
1: was. Well, I was like, how many, I, I thought it was an all female band.
0: No, it's it wasn't. But, it's, but I'll tell you right now, it, it, everybody in this band is incredibly talented. Now, this story of this song is a little weird. It tells the gruesome story of a woman being kidnapped, murdered, and dismembered. And the song is rumored to be about the case of Colleen Stan, a girl who was kidnapped in 77 and held as a sexual slave for seven years by a married couple. They used to keep her locked in a wooden box, which they mentioned in the song.
1: Uh, that, see, you dudes don't have to worry about that. Like, th- I, I'm talking about this in my stand-up recently. G- you guys, like, that's a worry for every woman, being attacked and put in a fucking box. Worst nightmare. Worst nightmare ever. Have you ever, like, lost sleep because you thought some creepy couple's gonna abduct you and, and fuck you against your will and keep you in some coffin?
0: No, you're you're 100% right. What the I fuck? I mean, it's... That's a oh, nightmare. I wasn't kept in a wooden box by this couple. I was I was kept in a cardboard box. Uh, no, was were fr- was a, you were oh, homeless. You were homeless. Yeah, you're right. That's when I was, was just me me out in the hard streets of Los
1: Angeles. The movie Jennifer's Body is amazing. It's uh, oh, you like the movie? Oh, I love it. I've seen it a couple of times. I saw it in the theater. Uh, it, it's a real. It's it's honestly a really well done movie. It it shows both sides of a woman. You know. Um, uh, what's her name? What's the blonde chick's name? It's, it's uh, Megan Fox uh, and Amanda and Amanda
0: Seafried, Yeah,
1: it's just sort of it's the dualities of a woman, and you know how you can like come together to sort of battle the man. It, it's deep, man. That movie's fucked up.
0: Well, this is, uh, this song inspired that movie. Uh, who's inspired you in your career?
1: I mean, all the comedians that I love are dead. You know, I definitely the Patrice. Was, I, I I wasn't a huge Patrice fan, but only because I sort of I, I wasn't a I, I wasn't in the industry on that end. Like, the first comedy I remember is like Jim Carrey, Richard Pryor, Joan Rivers, even like, you know, Lucille Ball, uh, Phyllis Diller, like all those, like, and even Chaplin. Like, I just remember watching like very goofy, funny, outrageous comedy as a kid because my dad loved that. You know, Monty Python, um, Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks, John Cleese, Pink Panther. Mr. Bean used to gut me. Really? I I just, I love the, (laughs) you know, there's such a spectrum to comedy and you know, we always try and say what's funny, what's funny comedy, but uh, honestly there's so many different styles. I mean, everywhere from Richard Pryor to Seinfeld and everybody in in between. I mean, I consider that the bookends of comedy as far as style Um, in Seinfeld representing that more cerebral, very technical writing. But when you look at somebody like Mr. Bean or Charlie Chaplin, they're, they're using their body. They're, they're not speaking. And they're conveying comedy.
0: What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason. And I want to let you all know that Diablo's Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezek, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, LA street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs,
1: tune in and join the fun.
0: Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Next song is one of the big hits from the record, Doll Parts. Uh, Play a little bit of uh, Doll Parts for me. I am doll eyes, doll mouth, doll legs. I love this song. My favorite part of the song is when she says, uh, I want to be the girl with the most cake, because it kind of sounds like a manifesto of her ambition. Do you know what I mean? Like of what she wants to do in her career. If I would do it, uh, it would be like i want to be the boy with the most vape
1: <laughs> <laughs> it also sounds like a lyric from lizzo
0: lizzo is the artist that everybody's talking yeah, about yeah i'm 100% right
1: now. that bitch she, this sounds like a lyric from her and like literally i think she should totally like, pay a little memento to Courtney Love and stick this lyric somewhere in one of her raps. I bet you any- I'm the girl with the most cake? I think
0: any female artist that is working right now and is kind of being, like, pro, like, you know, not just, I don't want to say feminism, but just, like, I'm proud to be a woman, like, we are beautiful, we are this. They probably, I think they got something from Courtney. You had to. I'm sure. You had to. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for them, but, I mean, I'm proud that I was not forced, but I listened to this and, and it's like, and I feel like I'm a, a better person about understanding somebody's plight. If that's yeah. even, that doesn't even make sense, but it's just, there, there's something that is, that is about Courtney that I feel is just inherently real yeah. And you can hear that in this song because this song is, is fucking as raw as it gets. So, this it is sta- very raw. This started as a poem uh, Courtney wrote to Kurt Cobain in 1991 before they started dating. And this is about finding love despite a really brutally honest view of her self image and talking about how she wants her lover to ache like she aches, which is what we all want.
1: We all want that. This, like, you should, this song should be blasted to your ex when you when you break up.
0: So this also is a song that I think really nails Courtney's pretty ugly or ugly pretty on-stage look at the time. You know, she was wearing the vintage baby doll dresses, mm-hmm. the ripped stockings, the smeared the makeup, mascara. the mascara all over her face, bleached and messy hair. Basically like a complete fuck you rock and roll attitude and I I just It's like, you know, you don't see people really coming out and dressing like that. Maybe guys, but not like Mm -mm. a female artist. There's
1: nobody like that. There's nobody, and that's what I was speaking to earlier, she's unpolished. Yeah. And maybe that worked against her in the long run, and maybe it doesn't matter because she was living her true self. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But there aren't many artists like that in any genre that are doing that, that are like completely leaving it all on the stage, not being... Packaged in this neat little, you know, gift. She's 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 unhinged.
0: Well, just like Courtney embraced all of her flaws, which of your flaws have you embraced?
1: My skinny shins, because I don't know if Stamos <laughs> doesn't like his either. <laughs> <laughs> and my inability to get really vulnerable. No. um I think, uh, yeah, I've learned to. <laughs> I really. Let have, me see your I, shins. They're very skinny. Look at my. Those shins. are
0: fine.
1: No, they're skinny. I could trap some cheese with them. Um. <laughs> You know, I've always honestly like to it, like if we're talking about vanity, I've always been a very skinny girl, you know, uh, boyishly skinny. And and it doesn't matter how many burritos I shove in this little vessel. It doesn't really change. So like on a on a vain level, I've always had that sort of in the back of my mind. I've gotten over it because I'm an adult. I'm a grown ass woman now. But I remember as a kid just feeling insecure about that. But on a, you know, emotional and relationship level, uh, I, I think learning to be vulnerable is been hard learning to be in the moment with another human being and in sort of actually giving them love without wanting it in return like just out of a pure you know purely just wanting to have a connection with someone but not needing anything from them you know what I mean uh, I, I think that has been something that I've sort of learned through the past few years of just going through personal stuff how to have a relationship with. That's good. You know, and like we're artists, you know, My one of my favorite quotes from anybody, Erica Badu, she said, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. And what comes with that is self-doubt. It, it, you know, you're constantly questioning yourself. You're, you know, reinventing yourself and then questioning. Am I a phony because I feel like a different person? You know, it's just there's so much of an internal monologue that goes on that is a part of the creative process that we sometimes we don't understand how to just funnel it and focus it into actually creating something you know
0: no I agree alright next song on the record uh, and it happens I hate to say next to Violet this is my favorite song on the record is Credit in the Straight World Uh, Peter play a little bit for me bud credit
1: in the straight world
0: So this is a cover of Welsh post-punk band Young Marble Giants uh, from their 1980s song. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Um, This, to me, this song in its entirety... I go back to that movie score. It sounds like the part in the movie where everyone's getting the heist supplies.
0: Oh, yeah. This is definitely <laughs> like a montage. Yeah, it's or a like montage. It's definitely a montage. <laughs> they're, they're getting ready to- mo- They're
1: getting, you know, they're, they're scoping out the the blueprints. The, the Asian guy's stretching so he can fit into small spaces. Like, it's very Ocean's Eleven. Very Ocean's Eleven.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, just, you're just reciting the plot from yeah, it right yes, now. that's
1: exactly what they were doing.
0: So, cool Cool thing about this is sometimes not every cover goes loved. Young Marble Giants frontman Stuart Moxham hated this version of the song, saying they turned it into a pornographic Led Zeppelin track. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, and I'd- also,
1: any anybody named Stuart Moxham sounds like he hates everything. Yeah. Only named Stuart Moxham, and this sounds pornographic. Also, a pornographic Led Zeppelin album or track sounds great. Yeah. It's a great to description. It. Been a long time since I'm rocking. <laughs>
0: That's what it- <laughs> Alright, but since this is a cover, we are skipping this one. Okay, um, skip
1: it. Skip it.
0: Alright, that goes into softer, softest. Uh Peter, play the chorus for me. so sour. Just great laid back acoustic grunge with heart. This song touched me. The song touched me a lot. I I really do enjoy this song, man. Uh, Originally, this was titled Pea Girl. After a nickname Courtney got as a kid because she had never had clean clothes, so she smelled like pee. It also mentions her getting the belt, so this is some serious reliving of childhood trauma. I this if I wrote the song, it would be "Fart Boy," because I remember when I uh, I farted in the uh, not the lunchroom, but we used to have to go into the gym before school started in eighth grade. Yeah, and we'd all sit in the bleachers, and I farted wearing sweatpants. And Ricky Gilbert goes, "Ooh, someone shit themselves! It was Josh!" And then everybody like moved away, and so there's like five hundred kids. 500 kids sitting on the bleachers and there's just a circle around me of like 10 feet in every direction. (laughs) I'd
1: be Fart Boy. I'd I'd be Wild Child gets the soap. My mom used to give me soap in the mouth and a yardstick.
0: Really? Yeah. In the mouth?
1: Not in the mouth. She put the yardstick in my butthole. Oh, okay. Just well, to measure, you know, just to measure the depth of the. <laughs> it's an odd way of. Uh... No, she. Oh, she's measuring depth. With... Yeah. Of course, that's she...
0: completely normal.
1: She used to, you no, know, she used to uh, discipline us with yardsticks. Really? Yeah, which is three rulers if you don't understand math. What is
0: what is the most uncomfortable childhood memory that you have?
1: Um, like uncomfortable? How? Like uncomfortable? Like makes me cringe, or I think maybe maybe my dad leaving. Is that too dark? No. don't no, <laughs>
0: take us there. I think,
1: you know, I remember him walking down the stairs and I, I, d- sound is so, uh, for me, like when I think of it, I can hear the sound in my head. Like just him walking down the stairs. He had like a suitcase. There was a U-Haul in the driveway. And I just remember being like, "Where? why is dad moving? Where? How old are you? Uh, nine. Oh, I think I was God. like nine. And just not understanding it, you know, because the convert even... Parents can have conversations with you But your understanding as a child is very limited So I just remember thinking like Well what you know did did dad Get a new family you know and just being So confused but luckily both my parents we didn't have custody issues. They didn't go to court. They just kept it cool. And he moved. He bought a house like a block and a half away.
0: Oh, that's great. So he
1: stayed. You know, he stayed close. But that that was brutal. I think that was pretty brutal. That's, that is pretty brutal. I um I I enjoy the song a lot. I love the opening of this song. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this one's special. I think it's really really special. I but it also makes me want to hug her. This yeah. bitch has been through a lot. She's been through she's a been lot. She's fingered in an audience. Her dad's whipping her with a belt. She's got stripping. piss all over her.
0: She's stripping. Yeah. She's and she's doing heroin.
1: Doing heroin. Yeah. I mean, holy hell. I I, I just she's uh, she's she's had more traumatic experiences than most people have had in a lifetime. You yeah. sort of understand the whole, you know, uh the whole facade.
0: But do you get this kind of art with without having that? No, hell no. So, you don't. I mean, it's it's in in a sense, it's like
1: It's a pri- it's the price you pay. It's
0: the price you pay for for something this personal, for this real that that is connecting because there are people that are dealing with the same shit. And that's why they, they, they were probably dressing like her and just imitating her because she was their fucking, their Michael Jordan. Yeah. It was just, they just loved her.
1: And they were probably the ones putting the fingers in the butt. Yeah. That day in Glasgow.
0: <laughs>
1: Finger go. Blast. It should have been blast go.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> she walks on me. Uh to me, this sounded like something off of In, in Utero by Nirvana. Uh, Courtney again seems to be dealing with a frenemy, and that's the sort of strange feminism Courtney deals in. She builds up her subjects, but also tears them down in the same song. Uh, there's also more self-conscious body image stuff with lines like anorexic magazines. Uh, play the intense ending, because it's intense as fuck. <laughs> So when you heard this, like, what did you feel?
1: It sounds like a revenge rape track. Sounds Ooh. like a song that a girl just blasts <laughs> in her room <laughs> just to deal with the emotions.
0: I mean, I I was listening to this while driving, and I definitely took it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, this is a song that you blast. This song is wild. It's fast. It's 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 a example of her relentless nature on this whole album. It it really you know it shows another range that she has where just the the stamina. To like go there
0: no I agree it's
1: ve- it's a very emotionally connected song yeah and it's fast as fuck like I can't even imagine the the drum on this song is ridiculous
0: yeah, well, the beat. I mean, that ending to me. I'm a big fan of big endings. Yeah. Like when I do the goddamn comedy jam, me, Nick, and and Joel, the guitarist, It's like we connect on this level. And I'm always, I always look at the drummer and I just start like pumping my hand and I'm just like, go fast, like yeah. let's fucking take it. Even if it's a slow song. When we do "Time of My Life" by uh, you know off of "Dirty Dancing," like we turn it into <sighs> I this, love that this song. we turn it into this huge, huge ending, man. And it's great. But but the song is about friends have you uh, ever let anybody walk on you
1: oh sure definitely definitely I've had people walk on me I let them you know I've let people stay in my apartment for a long long time and and you know you always
0: have roommates yeah I always, I you have always such a nice had. place and you're like <laughs> stay with me for six months
1: but I, <laughs> I think the key that you say in that is let you know it's not
0: I'm letting you stay I'm, I'm
1: letting you walk on me Oh. You know, and and I think essentially that's another weird way of feeling a connection or a love, like letting p- people treat you like shit still feels like it feels like the healthy love that you think it is when it's not because it's just what you were raised by. You know, I'm not saying I was raised by uh, parents who didn't love me. I just think like certain things happened in my life where it makes you not understand the value or self-worth that you should have before you know, going into relationships or how you should be treated. What is
0: something that you you just said something right there that, that I that I heard? Like, what was something that made you think like that?
1: I, I, the first time I ever had sex, I was raped. Really? Yeah, and it was by someone I trusted. It was, you know, my boyfriend at the time who I told I was not ready, did not want to have it. But, it you know, it defined me for the time. And music like this definitely released some of that angst and, 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 and anger and put it someplace, you know, while she's funneling all the shit she's going, in th- going through into songs, people are allowed to funnel their trauma by listening to it. So music like this definitely is uh, a release for people. Oh, for sure. Um, but but for to, to give you... That's why, I, you know, I say re- like revenge rape track for
0: that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just want to say this like that. That's to be able to have gone through something like that and just to be the type of person that you are. It's like you should pat yourself on the back like every you're fantastic for someone that experienced some trauma like that. I think that's. You know, that does take time.
1: It takes time. It was 20 years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and f- for it to be the first time and you're like, oh, is it supposed to be aggressive and, <laughs> and unwanted every <laughs> time? Like, it takes years. It took me years to learn how to fuck.
0: The next song I love so much. Yeah. Uh, I think that I would die. This was originally titled Baby and it's one of the heaviest songs on the record. Uh, there were rumors that Courtney was using heroin while pregnant with her and Kurt's daughter, Frances Bean Cor- uh, Cobain. And this got real. After a Vanity Fair article came out about the couple, where Courtney seemed to admit she used even after she found out she was pregnant. I mean, what are you gonna do? Oh, fuck, you gotta shoot up.
1: I mean, pregnancy is difficult.
0: It's difficult. It's like nine months, and if anything's gonna make you feel better,
1: it's It's, it's, it's not peanut
0: butter ice cream. No, it's the, fucking dope. It's dope. Kurt and Courtney said the words were taken out of context, but it was enough for Child Welfare Services to launch an investigation and even remove the two-week-old Frances from their custody. After a seven-month-long legal battle, the case was dismissed and they got her back. Uh, Fuck. I, I mean, if, if, this is, if that was the inspiration for this song, you can hear it because she lets out this scream at two minutes and 38 seconds that you can feel... I mean it is it is just pain, suffering everything Peter play it for me I mean you that that fuck you is like she, she whoever whoever came to take that baby that day she sees that person
1: yeah when she, she sees the out. person
0: that that misconstrued her words from the Vanity Fair article and you can fucking feel it. Yeah. I love it so, so much, man. What do you feel when you hear that? I mean,
1: I can feel it on a visceral level, mainly because I'm lactose intolerant. and There's a lot of milk talk <laughs> in this. It gives me agita. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for using agita, by the way. You're what, welcome. From when I, I had an Italian girlfriend for, <laughs> for a moment. And, and Everything's agita. is the best. My grandma
1: had agita. Every, it's agita. What's the matter? It's agita. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. It's like You're acting crazy. What do you, what you got? Agita? got
1: agita. What's the matter? So
0: what's the most satisfying fuck you you've ever given?
1: Oh, oh man. Come on. Probably my ex definitely my ex who was you know, that ended in a restraining order. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Do I
0: do I know the story? You or? do
1: you met him.
0: I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Because you brought him along to a few shows. He was there. He was a clingy. He
1: was a stage five clinger. He was a stage five clinger. clinger. He
0: was coming to the improv. Yes. I remember you're doing like, you're like, I'm doing fucking ponchos out in Manhattan Beach. (laughs) (laughs) It's a shit bar show. He's like, I'll be there.
1: Yeah. Motherfucker. (laughs) And he looked like an Adonis, which is a red flag. He was
0: was a handsome guy. I'm not going to admit that. You get some good looking guys. Anytime
1: you date somebody statuesque, go slow and look at all the flags. Yeah. Cuz you know, usually it's that whole thing where hot is usually crazy and and most of the time, 9 times out of 10, you just got to do some due diligence. Do a little, a little do a little Wikipedia, do a little Googling. <laughs> do some fact-checking, checking, you know, Google that shit. And
0: checked it. Yeah, checked that. Check. Checked it? Checked it.
1: Checked it, make but I definitely let out a bunch of good fuck yous to him. Yeah, what yeah. What was the best one? Um, I think maybe just when it was all done, like when he got served the paper where he I'm I'm protected. It was just like like literally in the hallway of my apartment. The cops are there, and I'm like, "Fuck you." He's there. Yeah. Oh
0: wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: getting it, just feeling like the, you know, and then just releasing that that like toxicity out of your life definitely feels good to just scream some fuck yous. And I'm sure you know girls out there have done that, but also just in the in the wake of the relationship, feeling. The stress of it, you know, the residual stress that you feel when you go through breakups. Even though I was happy as out of my life, just driving in your car. How many great fuck yous have you let out in your car, man? I mean, just alone in the on, in traffic. I
0: did five today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like just on the to yeah. drive from the CrossFit gym here. Yeah, I mean, that's why I was
1: ten minutes late. I was fuck youing in the in the in the
0: car. Oh, I I dude, if, if if there was if if people found out what I said in my car to just somebody that does does if they go slow, I mean, I'm just like, what the fuck, what the fuck is wrong with you, you fucking piece of shit? Oh, he's turning.
1: Like, you know, like. He's just turning. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. All right, the next song, Gutless,
0: uh, I do enjoy this one a lot. Uh, This is Courtney shitting on everyone, friends included. Play 13 seconds in. This just makes me like wanna like just fucking shoulder like am babaski babade badu like a leka <laughs> really? leka leka out
1: there dan- I,
0: I dance with leka a lot so me and leka dance to this song She's
1: big Lecca's big She's a big dog She's a, big, she's a big, big dog
0: She's a big girl Yeah She's a big leka dog this, not This has got a little
1: beat to it. It does have like a little situation going on. I feel like she wrote it when she was on the rag. She feels very emotional and angry on no, this. No, I
0: mean she's shitting on everybody. Like yeah. I said, she's shitting on her friends. Uh this is not just her talking shit. This sounds like it's a pep talk to herself as well. She uh she says it's like her like updated I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah. And, and and that's what I what I love about it. I love that opening line, all my friends are embryonic, all my friends are dead and gone. I think to be honest with you, we're talking about people that are influenced. I think a lot of the hip hop artists uh of now were influenced, like Lil' Uzi Vert, all the songs you're like, All My Friends Are Dead, uh, push me to the Edge, Do
1: you All think My Friends got that from de- her? I,
0: I dude, I, I I I'm not saying it's a hundred percent but he's obsessed with Marilyn Manson.
1: Yeah, he is into that, like, wild rock.
0: So how couldn't... Death, so why, death metal yeah, shit. Yeah, so why wouldn't Courtney Love... Yeah, I mean, that. they're all dressing... Like, dude, there's, like, hip-hop artists that are wearing Metallica T-shirts yeah. now. All <laughs> right, the album ends uh, with rock star Olympia. <clears throat> Peter, play the intro for me. Well, I went to school in Olympia. This is probably my least favorite song on the album, which kind of sucked for me uh, because it, it the album was so strong. Mm-hmm. And to end with this song now, now I'm keeping my opinion uh, that I had originally because I've listened to the record at least 10 times and probably... Nine times I hated it, and then last night when I was driving home, I was like, ah, it's not that bad. But I'm sticking with it that I was a little disappointed that this was the way they ended the record.
1: Absolutely. It yeah. felt it felt very uh, anticlimactic, and uh, I think Gutless should have been the last...
0: I agree with Gauntless you.
1: Gotles should have been the last one. This song, it feels misplaced on this record and it also sounds like the theme song. It should have been the theme song to Mean Girls. Remember that movie? Yeah, of course. It should that this this encap, encapsulates that whole thing and it just doesn't fit in the theme of the whole record. No,
0: I don't think so either. It's
1: a sore thumb.
0: Uh this is Courtney talking mad shit about the feminist punk riot girl, so it's GRRRL movement of the Pacific Northwest that many people had mistakenly lumped her in with. Most importantly, they didn't have the career aspirations that she had. Uh, I, I, you know, I think this is a perfect record if you knock this song off. Absolutely. And I
1: I think they should have ended it at gutless and just ended strong. But it kind of, hmm. If I could, if I could, like, make a body noise of how this record ends, it goes,
0: (laughs) Do you want to do some facts? Absolutely. All right. Um.
1: Facts, facts,
0: take all the facts.
1: Take to the Facts facts and facts. facts. Uh, Sorry, I fucked it up. I was trying to get in there.
0: Courtney named the band Hole after a line from Euripides' ancient Greek tragedy, Medea.
1: As in, like... Tyler Perry's. That's Madea. what I
0: thought immediately. <laughs> Medea, go, Medea goes, Madea to, goes gr- to the j- mosh pit. <laughs> there is a hole that pierces right through me. uh That's, that, the, that's my void. that's That's what Medea <laughs> means. The character of Medea is considered to be an early proto-feminist. So, going off the line, there is a hole that pierces right through me. What hole pierces right through you?
1: My dad not being around. Yeah. And that gas that I have from whatever taco I ate for lunch. <laughs> those two things are really just causing me constant pain in this exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the, the loss. Yeah. You know, just just him being gone. That's definitely but it's also the thing that's that I've that I've held on to that gives me more purpose. It makes me more present. It makes me give less of a fuck what people think about me. And it makes me realize what's important in life. And it's honestly just being there for the ones you love, being present with your friends, and being the realest you you can be. Because at the end of the day, when you go in that box, that's it. Did you do all those things that you wanted to do for you, or was it for an image that you wanted to portray to belong to something? Yeah, and I think that's what this record sort of teeters on the line of of talking about is was this what she really wanted to say. And I think it was, I think she really expressed how she felt on the inside versus what she was portraying on the outside.
0: Not to dwell on tragedy though. um, Do you feel like getting through that has made you stronger?
1: Hell yeah. It's made me give a less of a fuck in all the greatest ways. It's made me understand what real love is. It's made me value the moment. Um, It's made me value having more authentic connections and also recognize the sycophantic connections that were in my life and the people who were just there as mollusks, not as, you know, wanting to be a part of my not to story. Not to stop
0: this, but you've used two big words that I have no idea what they mean. <laughs> sycophantic? I, I've heard it. And a mollusk, is that like a, a scallop? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Exactly. Right, cool. Yeah, and, and
1: they, they grow. Like, yeah,
0: dude. I, mean, see, I just lean back in my chair all confident. Like a barnacle.
1: Like a barnacle is like a type of, you know, something that latches on to something else to yeah. grow. Um, scallop. So yeah, exactly. Well, you
0: should have said not to be a scallop. <laughs> because you know not to be a papoose and i put it you know i know all the friends scallop. that are that are synchronized and and then you know in the scallops Syc-
1: sycophantic is people who are just hanging around you to get stuff from you like they're they sure. they say yes they're very agreeable you know they love everything you they're do the worst. They're the it's worst. just the worst it's the worst people to have and in and, and you know i just realized through that the grieving process which is you know something that is very personal to each person you go through it differently it's made me cut the fat out of my life and the toxicity out of my life and honestly you know it's that sort of thing like especially in our industry there's a lot of phoniness there's a it's lot too of much small talk
0: it's so tough man it but it's like you know we it's gotta made do it. me
1: like when people come up to me and want to give me a hug that I don't know I'm like you know I, I kind of I realize how cool it is for Howie Mandel to give the fist now because it sort of just gives you space like, I don't want to hug you. I don't know you. Every time you touch somebody, talk to somebody, hug somebody, a piece of your energy goes to them. 100%. And, and when you go through trauma or lose somebody or whatever it is, you realize the value of, of hanging on to and containing your energy and, and conserving it. And And when you do that... You sort of go through breakthroughs as an artist or a creator. You, you, you your energy is more. Um, it, it, it's funneled and focused into the art, and as opposed to just wasting your time with people who don't really care about you as a person. Yeah. So that you know, grief is is just put things into perspective for me. It, it's. We it's, all become a memory, all of us, if yeah. we're lucky. If we're lucky, we become a memory to someone. And honestly, memories are to me the emotional currencies of life. Yeah. In in. If I can take those memories I have from my dad and turn them into art, or turn them into connection, or turn them into healing for somebody else, that's that's invaluable for me as a performer and for anybody consuming it. Completely. And Completely. and that's that's where I'm at now with performing and what I do. I love you. And making fart noises. I love noises. you so much, man. I love you You're too. You're such a beautiful
0: person. All right, last fact. Courtney Love was the lead singer of Faith No More during the 1980s. She was fired from the band before they became huge. Faith No More is one of my favorite bands Great of band. all time. Great band. I had no idea Courtney was even remotely involved with them at all. Thank God. Thank she God got, they fired her. Thank God because Woo! of Mike Patton. Have you ever been fired?
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I've been fired from almost everything. Have I? No, I don't think I got fired once. I quit everything. I leave before I'm fired. What was the in last... In relationships and work.
0: What was the last... Uh, what was your favorite quitting?
1: Um, Probably the bar. The last bar that I worked at because it was a mutual thing. Uh, I remember the moment... I used to work at this bar um, called uh, Puffy's Tavern in New York City in, in Tribeca on Hudson Street. And the owner was one of my best friends still to this day. One of my greatest friends. And he's also like into death metal and stuff. Do you know like Gorilla Biscuit? Sure. Uh, uh, what are those? A Judge like New York hardcore music. He's, yeah. he's a musician. Um, but he used to let me work. He'd, let, he'd, he'd cover for me when I was doing comedy in New York City. He would cover my shifts. He let me do shows at the bars. Um, he just was super supportive in my career, and he believed in me. And I remember after I was working with Girl Code and I got the MTV gig, I was still bartending early on. And we were at the bar one day, and this girl comes up to the bar and asks to take a photo of me. And I – Charlie and I looked at each other. Oh, I know. And I know that he, he just shook his head, like, like, "What
0: are you doing here? You gotta girl. go. You gotta go." You got-
1: it was literally like a mom shoving her bird out of yeah, the nest.
0: It could be, especially with girl code, you were making fucking ducats, dude. Yeah. that's like that was real money. It was, you and, know, and and also the touring and yeah. shit like that. Were you touring at that Not time? Not that time, but it was coming. Yeah, it was. It was in the mail.
1: It was wild, you know. It was the first time in my career where. My career became the thing that paid all my bills and it was a scary fucking moment I remember having a conversation with rachel feinstein early on in my career in new york city being like How do you know when to go all in how do you know when to leave your job behind? How do you know when to to you know bet on you and she's like you just know and I remember he I remember that conversation in that moment looking at charlie like this is this is get, This is my career now. Like yeah. I'm becoming my own boss. <laughs> and it felt like a moment of just complete pivot into the direction of becoming a comedian.
0: No, I get it. I remember when I was working at the strip club and because <laughs> uh, my the DJ booth was right next to the uh, ATM. And this guy goes, oh, now my was God, that
1: the, where you get the money or That's is where you where you you get actually asked him out. happening? <laughs>
0: It both. Okay. It was both. It was, it was a,
1: it was, <laughs> you got to be specific.
0: I mean, because dude, there was a when you took out money, there was a twenty dollar charge. So if you pulled out a hundred dollars, you had to pull out a hundred and twenty. And
1: that goes to the house.
0: That goes to that goes right to the that house. Goes to so, the
1: house chooses the fee. So that's
0: asked him out of the vibe I've ever heard. Hell of. yeah! But I remember a guy said to me, he goes, "Oh my god, man!" He's like, "Dude, I just saw you at the comedy store the other night." And I was like, "Thanks, man. Can you on for a 2nd alright you All right, y'all. Titties, titties, titties. Go in the back and get you. But I, I remember that feeling. You know, <gasps> I, I had been fired from a lot of jobs, but but being able to quit the strip club to just do stand up was a
1: magical moment. It
0: didn't hit me until six months later when I was. I remember we just taped the TV show, uh, the hour special, and I was driving to Dodger Stadium to watch the Dodgers game, Dodgers Nationals with Avery. And I, and I was, it just like hit me. I was like, holy shit. This is the exact same road. I sunset Boulevard. I used to take that all the way down to, uh, Alvarado or Alameda and I would make a left and that's where the strip club would be. And I was like. Holy shit! I'm never gonna have to drive this road again to get to the strip club. Like it's like I'm never going. So it was, and I started crying. And Avery was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I I don't DJ the strip club anymore, man. I'm so so happy that I'm doing." (laughs) I mean, it's a great feeling. (laughs) It is
1: a great feeling because
0: because you'll just rely on that 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 waiting tables or serving job forever. Forever, you have to take the leap. You do if you're out there and you're listening, and there's something you want to do, and you're so close, but you still have that job. Just cut that. Take that. Fucking leave. Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself, man. All right. You'll be good. Final thoughts on the record.
1: It's badass. It's an anthem for women. I think it's a true um, conduit for emotions that a lot of females feel. I, I feel that. Um, She should have leaned more into that whole hurt like your lover hurts. I think that was a really core theme to me. And I think a lot of people can relate to wanting to express that pain. And especially to be able to scream that at the top of your lungs in a car while you're in traffic is really fucking cathartic. Overall, I think it's a badass record that displays the vocal range of of a girl who's obviously been through a lot of shit and who wasn't afraid to leave it all out there emotionally. Well, she was recording and in a couple of those songs at the end, you could hear her, you you know, you hear that emotion and and you can feel it. So I just think it's like a really badass uh, rape anthem. The whole, the whole (laughs) album.
0: Uh, All right. This has, we we have no evidence of any of this, but I'm about to say, but do you think she killed her husband?
1: (sighs) I'm not sure she didn't. I get that. You know? Yeah. I'm not sure she didn't. I'm not sure she didn't.
0: But what we do know is that this album is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I love you so much, Jessie. I love May. you too. You're, you're one of my favorite people. Thank you for coming on. I mean, that's one of the baddest people I've ever met in my life. Jessie May Peluso, guys. For all things Jessie May, go to jessiemae.com. And you can find her at Jessie May Peluso on all social media. And make sure you listen to her very popular podcast, Sharp Tongue and Hilarious, anywhere you get your pods. I'm going to be posting her Spotify mixtape, which you can find on the website at the500podcast.com. Email us at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow me on all social media at Josh Adam Myers, guys. August 20th, I'm doing the five-year anniversary of the goddamn Comedy Jam at the Roxy. I've got Jim Jeffries, Big Jay Okerson, Brad Williams, Adam Ray, Joe DeRosa, Kelsey Cook, Justin Martindale. Who else am I forgetting? Uh, fucking everybody. It's going to be a huge party. Come out to the show August 20th at the Roxy. And all tickets are on my website at joshadamias.com. Please subscribe on Spotify or your favorite platform to listen to the 500. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a rate and review. Follow my staff. They're working their asses off, guys. At DJ Morty Coyle. At Avery Funny. At JT Podcast Exec. At Badass Wizard. And we got our new music dude. At Real Matt Pinfield. That's right. Matt's working for us. Now, we just listened to Hole from 1994. This week, we have an all-female-led rock duo, Bones UK. According to our music director, Matt Pinfield, the band is a tough mix of guitars and synths. Great live show with a shitload of attitude. The single's called Pretty Waste, and it's featured on the Rock This playlist on Spotify. Check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band, and we're directly influenced by one of these albums or artists, and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artists that influence you in the subject line. Next week, it's Drifter's Week, as we review their Golden Hits album from 1968. So you've got some homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify, and go ahead and stay fleecy. Join me each week as I explore another long form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives.
1: From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gourley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to
0: Slayer, peer pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.
1: Next Chapter Podcasts.